188 days since their loss in Super Bowl 55, the Chiefs take the field for the 2021 season. The preseason opener is Saturday at San Francisco, and we're previewing the game from a Chiefs perspective on today's Sportsbeat KC, the Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Friday, August 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, beat writer Sam McDowell previews position groups and players, what and who to watch. The offensive line tops everyone's list, including Sam's, but there are plenty other storylines to follow. Speaking of the offensive line, we're pleased to be joined by former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio in the second half of the show. Joe was the Chiefs' second-round draft selection in 1991 and spent four of his five NFL seasons in Kansas City. He takes us back to his first preseason game and what he's looking for with this new Chiefs offensive line. So let's get started talking Chiefs preseason opener. First, with Sam McDowell. All right, Sam, I got the Chiefs depth chart in front of me here and just looking down the two deep. And it's interesting to me that on the offensive side, the Chiefs are likely to have six new starters from the Super Bowl. And on the defensive side, maybe two or three, depending on whether Nick Bolton starts. So natural reaction would be, well, the problem was on the offense uh, last year, but not really the case. It's just that five of those six changes on the offensive side are in one position group. And I don't know about you, but that's my first curiosity when the Chiefs play the 49ers on Saturday night. You know, despite all these changes that they've made and and the fact that they've given themselves so many options throughout the offensive line, it's been pretty consistent, which five they've been rolling with in training camp. So, you know, I think we're going to see Orlando Brown at left tackle, Joe Tooney at left guard, Creed Humphrey at center, Trey Smith at right guard, and Lucas Niang at right tackle. We thought that right tackle position would be probably the best battle in, in training camp, but Mike Rimmers was out for nine days with back issues, came back on Thursday, but just did a little bit, didn't complete the full practice. So they'll, they'll slowly work him back. So I think that's the five we're going to see. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's been the storyline of the offseason. So that's what we're most excited to see. Even Patrick Mahomes said that with his press conference on Thursday, you'd love to score. But with the new offensive line, the first priority is getting all the calls right, getting in out of the huddle on time, everybody knowing their assignments correctly. And as cliche as that might be, that that's going to matter for, for a group like this. And it sort of prompted me to wonder how much more difficult this would be. As we talked about no preseason games last year a lot, it didn't really seem to matter with this team, but that's because they had so much coming back. And this year's group doesn't. And I think they really are going to benefit from these three games that they're going to get. And we know that starters are going to play the first quarter, second team, the second quarter, and so on. My feeling is... If the Chiefs have success on their first offensive series, that might be it for the offense. We might not see them come back. You know, eight play, 80-yard drive sort of thing for a score. That might be all we see from the first-team offense. We'll see. Let's stay on the offensive line for a second. The other thing that, in addition to the overhaul of the offensive line, it's a different shaped offensive line. Big dudes here. And that's not, not what we're used to seeing. We know offensive linemen are big guys, but these guys they're huge. Niang and Smith and Orlando Brown, they're bigger than what we've seen from Chiefs offensive linemen in the past. 
Yeah, and they play that way too. I mean, Trey Smith especially, you know, he's, he's said a few times that his style is violent is the way he describes it. Creed Humphrey plays physical too. With this group in, in particular, I, I think that it wasn't just about getting better guys. I think it was about getting a different attitude up front. So that, that, that part's going to be interesting, of course, too, because in, in training camp, there's a couple things that you don't see quite as, as, as much as you do in the game. And, you know, tackling is one of them. But the second thing is offensive linemen can't really finish their blocks. You know, they don't go to completion to the point to where they could push somebody over and injure somebody. So the offensive line has, has had its good days. It's had some days where it's struggled, but um, it's not just the, the, the true game-like action that you see as far as in training camp where you see the timing between Patrick Mahomes and a receiver or something like that. Let's stay on the offense while we're previewing the Chiefs preseason opener. I think the next curious position for me is wide receiver. Sammy Watkins is gone. Andy Reid called him Sam the other day. I, he was never Sam Watkins to me. He was always Sammy. <laughs> and I'm thinking during the press conference, is he talking about you or Melly? But Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, rest assured those four will get plenty of targets this season for the Chiefs. There's a little bit of a spotlight on, on Hardman. He's got to step up here in his third season on the team. But how about the next couple of positions at wide receiver among Cornell Powell and, and Marcus Kemp and I don't know, Callaway, what, what are we looking at to fill out the depth chart at wide receiver? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, as much as I like the way this rookie class has looked in training camp, that's not because of Cornell Powell. I mean, he's, he's played exclusively with the threes in training camp. I think that they probably keep him, but it's only because they drafted him in the fifth round. He has not played like one of the best five or six guys at training camp. Primarily after that, that top four that you mentioned, Blair, because I, I do think there's going to be a rotation behind Tyree Kill with those three guys. I, I think Marcus Kemp is probably fifth right now. You know, he, he's the primary gunner on special teams. That's going to help him a lot. Beyond that, you know, Callaway was running with that group a lot, but he's had a knee injury and that's going to hurt his chances to make the team. We've seen some Garrick Dieter there. You know, they actually have a couple of guys that I think are trying out that aren't going to make this team, but I think could get picked up by an NFL team elsewhere. Uh, Fountain, number 82, I think is a really solid player. Um, I just have a hard time penciling him onto this roster, but I think he could, he's good enough to make another roster. And then Darius Shepard, the, the kid from Blue Springs, has been playing pretty much exclusively with the threes, which tells you he's probably not going to make this team. But he's a good kick returner. He plays on coverage on special teams, and he's very sure-handed. And I, I've seen him be a good route runner, too, for the third and fourth-string quarterback because those guys rotate. They do have some options there. I, I don't think it's quite as clear-cut. Maybe it's past training camps, which guys are going to take those spots, other than I, I do think Marcus Kemp slides into wide receiver five. Both of those uh, wide receivers you named, Fountain and Shepard, both are Northern Iowa grads, interestingly enough. And, and Fountain was drafted. He was drafted in 2018. so. Shepard went to North Dakota State, right? Thank you for correcting me. That's right. Played for Chris Kleiman up there. Yes, he did. All of a sudden, tight end is interesting behind Travis Kelsey because we have draft pick, right, in Noah Gray and a camp favorite in Jody Fortson, both of whom are listed behind Blake Bell, the veteran. It's unlikely the Chiefs keep four. I guess it's possible. But Gray and Fortson both have had some pretty nice moments up in St. Joe. Yeah, you know, they kept four guys last year because they kept Kaiser, um, who retired. They kept uh, Dion Yelder, who's moved on, and Ricky Seals-Jones, who's moved on. It surprised us when they kept four last year. 
if they were keeping four this year, it would be obvious. It would be which four guys. Um, I thought maybe we'd make it through the podcast without Forson since uh, Herbie's not here. <laughs> It'll be on the post-game podcast, rest assured. Forson's been fantastic in camp. And like you mentioned, we, it, it's been sort of a, an annual storyline. So I hesitate to say he's going to make this team. Andy Reid actually said something on Thursday that Fortson and Gray are battling. And if that's the case, that's not a good sign for Jody Fortson because Gray's the draft pick, right? I think Fortson's been better, but Gray's been good and he's the draft pick. So I think that, that gives him an edge if those, that's truly those two guys battling. Blake Bell has not been particularly impressive, but his strength is as a blocker. You know, he rated as one of the very best blocking tight ends in all of football last year. That's the reason he was brought in here. Some people probably look at his spot and say, oh, I haven't seen a whole lot of tweets about him or much from him. He hasn't made standout plays, but training camp is not the spot where he's going to shine. It's going to be in 12 personnel and that sort of thing. So last year, I think they kept six receivers and four tight ends. I think it would be interesting if they kept three and five. So one of each less and then fourth in is just that swing guy. So maybe instead of keeping a combined 10, you keep a, a combined nine, knowing that Fortson spent the last two years playing wide receiver, he can play out there in a pinch. I'm surprised that Fortson's been this this well-kept secret because as much as he's been a storyline at training camp last year, he didn't get picked up. If it hadn't been for that, I'd say this guy absolutely gets picked up if the Chiefs get rid of him, but he didn't last year. So it's, it's just hard to say, but man, he, he's a matchup problem on the field out there. When I, when I look at the running backs, the guy I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for is Darwin Thompson. What did, what did Andy Reid call him? The termite yesterday at the, the news conference. I'd never heard that nickname for Darwin Thompson, but he's, he's a little guy and he's a try-hard guy, but his days may be numbered here with the Chiefs. I don't think we'll see him until the fourth quarter. Um, Jarek McKinnon has raised some eyebrows at, at camp and we know Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Daryl Williams are one and two. So it seems like Darwin Thompson's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I mean, those three guys you mentioned, Blair, are for sure going to make the team. And I think beyond that, I think even Darwin Thompson's in a battle with Elijah McGuire for, for fourth. So um, I do think those guys will, will kind of probably split the second half with those first three guys splitting the first half. I, I could see Jarek McKinnon get a lot of snaps with the twos, even though he's probably third on that depth chart. And then Darwin Thompson's going to have to have a really good preseason. And unfortunately, his training camp started with being on the COVID list and being out for over a week. Right. What do the Chiefs do with Michael Burton in the Anthony Sherman role? Sherman was, in addition to the occasional short yardage situation, was a four-time special teams player. Is Burton just going to step right into that role? Yeah, you know, special teams is harder to gauge because they sort of, everybody cycles in at some point. And they don't necessarily cycle in during those periods as just, hey, first team, second team. Sometimes we see all the tight ends on a special teams play. Sometimes we see all of the linebackers and on another special teams play. So it's, it's been hard to gauge exactly what people's roles are going to be on special teams. Other than I wish we got to speak to Dave Tobe every day because he's as open as anybody about how he feels about guys and where he slots them in. So I feel like we know that he likes certain guys at gunner. I think McCall Hardman's going to be a punt returner again, but doesn't play a lot on offense, but Anthony Sherman didn't play a lot on offense. So I think you're absolutely right. that He's going to have to be a special teams guy in order to be, the, the value that they saw in Anthony Sherman here. I'm just wondering if whether or not they keep Burton affects the fourth running back or the fourth tight end, and it'll give us a clue into maybe what, what they're thinking offensively, because Sherman didn't have many snaps on offense, but some of the snaps he had were pretty memorable, right? I mean, plays named yeah. for him and, you know, yeah, both yeah. situations, that sort of thing. 
they're going to have some tougher cuts than I think at this time last year when we gauge those roster because on offensive line, I think they had probably an obvious group last year. They've got more depth at that spot. It's not just that the starters have been better. It's that the depth behind them is better. We've got some guys that I have a hard time finding a spot for on the team and you can't keep everybody. And I, I think the offense is what's going to have some, maybe a little bit su- surprising cut. When I say surprise, I mean, guys that the guys that'll make other NFL rosters, even though they don't make this one. So on defense, what are you most interested in seeing or who are you most interested in seeing Saturday night? I've got a couple of names. So I want to hear from you first, who are you going to be keeping a close eye on? Well, certainly Nick Bolton, you know, Bolton has played more in camp than uh, Steve Spagnuolo wanted him to, to play with the ones. And it's because Willie Gay's been out. Ben Neiman was out for a little bit. Anthony Hitchens was out for a little bit. And I think those latter three are the three they'd go with in a base defense. But since Willie Gay's probably not going to play tomorrow, he's been out with the concussion protocol, although he's slowly been back in certain phases of practice. Uh, but Bolton's going to play. And he'll play a lot with the ones. So I, he's a guy I'm interested in. And biggest question mark, I think, of this defense is going to be the outside cornerback. Because on nickel defense, they're bringing Legereus Sneed inside to play the nickel, leaving Charverius Ward on the outside. And then the question is, who plays that other outside spot? Legereus Sneed, to me, is their, by far their best cornerback in camp. And so if you're going to bring him inside, you've got to be confident in the guy on the outside. And, you know, it's been a rotation of Mike Hughes, um, initially, it was Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker. Uh, then we saw a rotation of Mike Hughes and Rashad Fenton. So I think it's going to be Mike Hughes, but I think Rashad Fenton's going to get some snaps with the ones as well. And that's the spot that even if we might not be intrigued about how cornerback is performing, I think that's the spot the Chiefs are looking at the most. Devin Key seems interesting to me, too, at safety. You identified him really early as sort of surprise guy that could make the roster. I think it'd be much less of a surprise if he makes the team now. Yeah, at this point, I think I'd be surprised if he didn't. But it was way back in minicamp that we saw him with uh, the twos. Now, Armani Watts has been out. He just came back this last week. Watts is one of their very best special teams players. Uh, him and Dorio Daniel grade highest on, as you know, Blair, Dave Tobe grades these guys on every play throughout the season. And, and Dorio Daniel and Armani Watts score the most points on special teams. So I don't know how much special teams Devin Key's going to play. That's probably what I'm as interested in as, as anything. But he was productive in, in college. It was just at a small college at Western Kentucky. But everybody who talks about Devin Key talks about his instincts and his smarts, that that's the reason that he's climbed up this depth chart faster than a lot of people anticipated. Moving up front, Jaron Reed, of course, a new chief. Not only his the talent at his position, but because he's the Chiefs get to move Chris Jones to the outside, and I imagine that's what we'll see to start the game is Chris Jones on, on the outside. Uh, also, a, a position to watch should be a strength. An improved pass rush, you know, getting more pressure on the quarterback, more sacks for sure is an objective for for this year's defense. Let's just leave it there, Sam. There'll be plenty to talk about after the game. We're not going to do it immediately after the game. Uh, we'll save that for the regular season, but we'll be back with a podcast on Monday morning to wrap up the first preseason game. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you will hear from Joe Valerio, the former Chiefs offensive lineman. He had plenty to say about the new offensive line for these Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks, Sam. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Joe Valerio was a Chiefs offensive lineman from 1991 until 1995, playing on some terrific Chiefs teams and occasionally catching touchdown passes from Joe Montana. He had four TD receptions in his Chiefs tenure. Today, Valerio lives in Philadelphia, keeps up with the Chiefs, and joins journalist Jeff Fidoten on the Believe in Chiefs podcast. We'll link to their episode list in the show notes. Here's Joe Valerio on this year's Chiefs team, starting with the new offensive line. Joe Valerio, it's great to have you on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, Blair, it's great to be on. It's great to share some insights with, uh, with all the Chiefs fans out there and get my connection back on the Midwest. But things are going great here in the Philadelphia area. Good to hear it. Um, we're going to talk about the Chiefs, and as an ex-offensive lineman, I think that is a subject or topic number one with Chiefs fans. But before we get into that, Saturday is the Chiefs' first preseason game. They play at San Francisco, and I wanted to ask you about your first preseason game. What do you remember about that? You came into the NFL with the Chiefs in 1991 out of University of Pennsylvania, I just wondered what it was like for you putting on the NFL uniform for the first time and playing in your first preseason game. Yeah, I'll never forget it. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was the Dallas Cowboys of all teams, right? Growing up in Philadelphia, one of our biggest rivals is growing up as a Philadelphia fan. And, you know, I always joke, Blair, you know, six months earlier, I was blocking Biff McNutty from Harvard. And then I was going against Jim Jeffcoat right? Number 77, like somebody who I had watched go against my hometown Eagles. The speed of the game was like nothing I've ever seen. And now, granted, I had a little bit of a different perspective coming from a smaller school, didn't play with the speed that some of the other players that you know were my teammates. But nonetheless, I think all rookies, no matter whether you played at Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State, the speed of the game changes in the NFL dramatically. And uh, for me, it was exponential, but I think it happens for most rookies anyway. So that was Marty Schottenheimer's third year with Chiefs. The team had turned, right? The franchise mm-hmm. turned. You came into a successful uh, franchise. I remember it was a young offensive line with Tim Grunhard and Dave Zott. I think it was pre-Will Shields, but there were already some really good offensive linemen there. It was a little bit of the changing of the guard. You know, my first season, Dave Lutz was our right guard. Rich Baldinger was our right tackle. And then you had Tim making his big push, you know, at, at center, Tim Grunhard come taking over for Mike Webster in 1990 after he was drafted, Dave Zott starting at left guard, coming out of Penn State, rookie when he was 
playing. And then obviously his second year when I was there. And then of course we had the stalwart John all, you know, at left tackle. So there was a really good mix of youth and veteran leadership on that team. We had some, we had some really solid backups too. And, you know, Derek Graham, then you started to see when, when we went to the West Coast offense in 93, boy, that was the big switch, right? And that was when things really started to change. And there was that literally changing of the guard, except for John Alt. He was the stalwart. You know, he was the veteran, you know, back drafted in the early 80s that hung on a really long time. He was our real lock at the veteran spot. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great line to learn from. The mix of youth and the mix of veteran leadership couldn't have been better for me coming in as a rookie for sure. 93, that's that's about when you started scoring touchdowns, I believe. Wow, I became the wide receiver, right? <laughs> you know, that was just crazy. That was the one thing about Coach Schottenheimer. He found a spot for everybody. And, uh, you know, that was a big thrill for me, obviously, to get out on the field and, and do whatever I can, you know, whatever I could to contribute, uh, whether it was, you know, playing, you know, the third tight end, long snapping, special teams, backing up starting a few games here and there. I did whatever I, I could to get out on the field. And, you know, Marty was such a great coach and mentor and, and the offensive line coaches that I played for, Howard Mudd, Alex Gibbs, Art Shell, they were great at helping you find a way to get out on the field and contribute as best you could with the skills and abilities you had. That really was an incredible coaching staff. When you look back on it, the success that a lot of those assistants went on to have as head coaches. So you're a rookie in 91, and it got me thinking that the Chiefs this year could start as many as three rookies on the offensive line, one of them being a second-year rookie, Lucas Niang, drafted in 2020 but opted out last year, but Creed Humphrey at center from Oklahoma, and Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, who were in the 2021 draft class along with, on the other side of the line, on the left side, Orlando Brown at left tackle and Joe Tooney at left guard. Individually, there's something to like, a a lot to like, really, about all of them. But I am really curious to see chemistry and how that's going to occur with this offensive line. Given your background, your history, tell me about offensive line chemistry, how important it is. You know, what are the challenges in forming it? It's really hard. Chemistry at the offensive line, there's not a lot of individual battles that go on. Everything that an NFL line does predicates itself on teamwork. And, and I'm going to use that word chemistry again and timing and working together and meshing are some of the words. I coached offensive line for 11 years at the high school level, obviously nothing compared to coaching in the NFL. But even in that experience, I saw that our more veteran lines that played together always they came back you know, where you had a bunch of junior starters and then they would come into their senior year. There's so many things that go into the coming together uh, of an offensive line. And so I am a little fearful that it takes a few games for the Chiefs line to get this thing together and for Andy Hack and Eric Bieniemy and Coach Reed to get this line playing together. But the thing that makes me feel really good about it, Blair, is that they're also all extremely good players, right? And they've got the safety net of having multiple starters backing up this younger, newer starting group of five, right? Even though Orlando and Joe are are not uh, rookies by any sense of the imagination, but they're all still new. Don't forget, you've got Nick Allegretti, starter in the past, right? I was really high on Nick and the way that he's played in the last couple of years and, and earning a starting spot. Austin Blythe, right? Coming in free agent starter. LDT, all right? Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, solid starter in the Super Bowl year. Andrew Wiley, another one. And Mike Remmers, of course, can't yep. forget about Mike. If this is the five that start, even though Creed, Trey, and Lucas are 
for all intents and purposes, rookies, you know, you've got basically, if they're the starting five, you've got five, I'm doing air quotes, starters behind them. That's a safety net. And that's, I think, what Brett Veach, he really wanted to accomplish, right? He did not want what happened in the Super Bowl happen again. So I think they're doing all the right things. This preseason is going to be really big for this group to come together. Do they have work ahead of them? Absolutely. It's going to take the zone blocking on runs, the passing off of stunts in the passing game. When you're trying to pass protect, it's going to take time for them to work together, learn each other's movements, their motions, how they fit together. But I think once this group gets it, they're extremely talented and they've got the safety net of a bunch of starters behind them. Could take a little while, could take coach heck a couple of games, maybe even into the season. I always joke and Jeff Fadoten, my partner in the Believe in Chiefs podcast, we always say September is the new preseason, right? Because with the lack of hitting that they can do at camp, the lack of hitting they do in practice and the live sessions and sort of the limited play that you'll see these starters in the preseason and now only having three preseason games, September might be the new preseason for this offensive line. And gosh, the chief schedule in September and into October, probably maybe the toughest stretch for them with the likes of the Browns and the Ravens and right out of the gate. It's going to be wild. I mean, it's, this is really going to be a test of this team. It's going to test their mettle and to see what this veteran leadership group can do. I think they're having a fantastic camp from everything I'm seeing and hearing and reading and talking to people about. They're really coming together, and, and I think they're taking full advantage of what Andy Reid's training camps are, and they're coaching and teaching training camps. You know, he's not going to scrimmage other teams. He's not going to bring in a lot of hitting, and they're not going to beat each other up, but I think they're having a pretty solid camp. Orlando Brown was the big offseason acquisition. Of course, Joe Tooney, of course, both of them on, on the left side. I'm going to be focusing a lot of attention there, and I'm wondering how those two in particular will be able to work in tandem. As an offensive lineman, can a player like Joe Tooney actually help out Orlando Brown? They're both new to the Chiefs, obviously, but but the responsibility is so great for Orlando Brown to protect Patrick Mahomes. And I'm wondering if if part of the of the role of Joe Tooney is to help Orlando Brown a little bit. That's what you do. And that's why you have the mix up front. You know, you don't generally see these mass changes like this that have happened with the Chiefs on the offensive line. And if you do, right, five new starters. We're talking about a team that has gone to the AFC Championship three years in a row. Blair, let's just play the scenario out that this is the starting five. Let's say Mike Remmers doesn't kind of get whatever, you know, is bothering him and ailing him back. And and this is the five that go into the opening game. Going in with five new starters, you're taking a team that went to three AFC championships and not one of them, right? Assuming, again, LDT doesn't make it back either. They're going to need that kind of veteran, you know, leadership up front. Just going back to my own experience with Mike Webster tutoring Tim Grunhardt at center, right, in 1990. What an unbelievable mentor to have, right? Mike Webster, the greatest center of all time, or at very least one of the best ever. Dave Zott having John Alt to his left, the wily old veteran had seen it all. You know, and then you had Dave Lutz and Rich Baldinger on the right, mentoring folks like me at tackle and guard and getting to learn. That's what it's all about. That's what I think every position group tries to do is tries to have that mix of the future plus the veteran that when time comes, you're going to build a succession plan for them. I think they're doing it all right. I really do. I think, And I think Joe Thune is going to really have Orlando's best interest in mind as the season goes in because they're, they're going to need to work together to protect Patrick's backside. 
What do you think about this team overall? Do you like the the offseason moves, the draft picks? Of course, the big ones, Creed Humphrey at center. Uh, Nick Bolton, the Missouri linebacker, comes in. I don't think he'll start, but we'll, we'll see. Just the makeup of this team. I guess the big the losses, Sammy Watkins would be one of them, the wide receiver. Just your overall thoughts on the Chiefs. I think they did all the right things. They shored up the offensive line, right? They went out and made some really big moves up front to shore that up. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it goes. You know, like I said, they've got 10 starters right now, <laughs> which is amazing. You know, obviously Patrick's Patrick. I think this is a huge year for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, I am so excited to see what he does this season. You know, he's got Daryl Williams there to give him the spells. I'm excited at what they're going to do at running back and how Eric Bieniemy can continue to develop the playbook around Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And that's the one thing I love about this team uh, and the coaching staff. They build their playbook around the players. They don't take square pegs and jam them into a round hole. They take players like Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, right? Wow, what a surprise there at tight end. They mold the playbook around the players. And that's what's exciting about this offense. I think Coach Bagnola does the same thing on defense. You know, he's taking players like Chris Jones and Frank Clark and figuring out where are they going to work best. They go out and get Jaron Reed. I think that was a huge, huge pickup in the middle of, of the defensive line. I'm really excited about what Willie Gay has been doing and what I've been seeing in training camp. Nick Bolton, right? I mean, that's just at the Will linebacker spot. I think he's going to be a force. I think they've done a great job of solidifying the defensive backfield and 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 bringing players along. I really am excited about that. I think it's one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team in the NFL. And I think they're taking that talent and they're making the most of it. And you can see just what they're doing, right? They're taking guys like Chris Jones, moving him out to play more defensive end because they feel like that's where he's best suited. So they're molding the defensive playbook around the talents of the players. And that I think is what separates this team and why they've been to three AFC championship games. You mentioned Steve Spagnolo. You've also mentioned Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. It really surprises me that the coordinators and the head coach continue to be together. That another team hasn't come and hired away Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnolo, of course, previously a head coach, and I think could absolutely lead another franchise if he wanted to. How rare is it for the Chiefs to have this kind of brain trust leading this organization? It's rare and and they're lucky and they're fortunate. You know, and Eric Bieniemy, I'd heard, you know, there was a lot of talk and, and we talked a lot about it in the offseason about where Eric Bieniemy was going to end up being a head coach. And, you know, I, I also heard him say things like, I've got a great job. They've been to three AFC championships, going to the Super Bowl, winning one. He's got a great gig. He's continuing to learn. He's young, you know, in relative terms, right? When you think about some of the 10 years of head coaches and Eric and I came out in the same draft class in, in 1991. And I had met Eric and spent some time with him at the East West Shrine game and at the combine. Uh, my roommate at the combine was Ariel Solomon, who was a buddy of, of Eric. So I did get to meet him and then obviously playing against him with the Chargers. Well, I'd like to get, at least consider us young at, at age 52. He's relatively young, right? And, and when you look about the tenure of coaches and how long they last. So he's probably wanting to set himself up and coach Reed's probably trying to set him up so that when he does get that position and he will, he's going to be a head coach in the NFL. When he does, he's going to be really ready for it. And maybe that's the tact he's taking. I'm not inside of his head. None of us are just, you know, spitballing out of theory there that maybe that's the tact that he's taking, that he's going to continue to learn learn, learn. And then when the move is right, he's going to take advantage of it. And the NFL is going to benefit from it when he's a head coach. So I think the organization is lucky that they're staying together because you don't see it that often where 
you know, especially the triumvirate of head coach and two big coordinators there, defense and offense, stay together this long and, and build this kind of dynasty. And able perhaps to pick his spot when that time comes. Exactly. He can be, he can be patient because he's got a great gig, right? He's got a great gig going. Hey, this is great stuff. Joe Valerio, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Let's catch up again soon. I would love that, Blair. Thanks so much and enjoy the game on Saturday. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Thanks to our production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell and Joe Valerio for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they're posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash sports pass 2020 do you want more than just sports coverage check out the entire kansas city star product sports news features commentary and analysis the whole thing you get all the stories written by my talented colleagues and then there's additional national news sports features and business coverage with the e-edition the details for all of these deals can be found at accounts.kansascity.com slash subscribe if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers you just send me an email bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs preseason opener on Sports Beat KC.